0: 630 chad inside sports with reed wilkins weekdays at six on 630 chad
1: all right casting returned to the lineup last night however oilers fell five to the jets rematch tomorrow at seven at rogers place you know I've been covering sports and talking to coaches and athletes and managers and all that fun stuff for most of my adult life now. I've covered the high school sports, uh, primarily football and basketball. I've uh, covered Alberta college sports. I've covered Canada West at the university level. Uh, I've uh, talked to uh, NHLers, coaches and players, CFLers. Who we've even been lucky enough to have a couple NFLers on the show over the years. And there's one thing that keeps coming up when I talk to these people, and that is when they're talking about upcoming games, we got to start well, we got to have a good start, pick a number of minutes. They got to start well. So either it's a cliche that they just throw out blindly without thinking about it, or it actually means something. (laughs) And I happen to think it actually means something. Now the Oilers have allowed the first goal six games in a row. They are three and three in those games, but my concern is, uh, that I feel they've shown a little bit of a lack of initiative in some games. And as I referenced earlier, perhaps without some good goaltending, and yes, I know about the goal last night, but perhaps without some good goaltending, uh, they could have been playing further from behind in some of those games after 20 minutes than they actually were. And I bring that up as I welcome Craig McTavish to the show. And uh, Craig, I also bring this up with the context that you were the head coach and I'm, I'll apologize for starting with a negative memory here. Uh, you were the head coach for the uh, Oilers team that set the record. I'm used to it, Reed. Go ahead. Keep it going. Yeah, I, I'm probably yeah. a lot kinder than yeah. other broadcasters are to you. Uh, yeah, yeah uh-huh. <laughs> uh, February Maybe. and March of 07, uh, the Oilers allowed a the first goal against in a team record 11 straight games. Now, I know that turned into a tough year for you guys. What year was that? Uh, February and March of '07, so it was the O six O oh, seven okay. 7 season. O- Eleven straight first goals against. I don't know if you were aware of that. I mean, that well, it sounds like year. the
0: Canadians' year. They go to the finals and then they collapse the following year. It, and it, it was, I mean, that's that's the year we went to the finals in 2006. So the following 2006-2007, to 2007, we were a disaster. Well,
1: yeah, it it got tough down the stretch there. So I don't know if you remember yeah. that that run, but I, I want to ask you about that cliche of starting games and and are my observations about the oilers worthy of the concern i'm talking about
0: it seems like they get a bit bored when they're playing opponents that they're you know on paper supposed to dominate and uh things are a lot closer in today's nhl than they ever were uh even back in uh 2006 2007 but in particular well before that, in the you know 80s and 90s, there was such a huge gap between the haves and the have-nots that uh, you wouldn't really have to get up for uh, for inferior opponents, and you could still win. You could turn it on, but it's just not the case in today's NHL cap. NHL, it's the parity is here, and uh, you know anybody can beat anybody. The thing that I found with focusing on starts is it really had the 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 reverse effect and if you really talked about the start you wanted to focus on the start you wanted to play a certain way on this at the start for whatever reason you rarely did and you'd go out and you wouldn't you you wouldn't play well at the start and then when you You know you'd address it but when you didn't focus on it it had uh you had a better chance of getting off to a a good start and i think it's a mentality um it's you know you're always on the dial of whether you're going to be aggressive or conservative and it's balancing those decisions that uh really uh really control how how you're going to play the game at the start I mean, it's surprising given the firepower that the Oilers have that they would be, you know, six straight games with giving up the first goal. It got a lot of attention in some of our broadcasts too as well. But I think these are the types of things and these are the growth opportunities that the team really is going to use to, to, to grow their their performance as a group. And I think this is exactly the type of stuff that they need to address to have the type of success that we all anticipate that they'll have in the playoffs. Yeah.
1: Well, that's, that's fair. And I think that's a fair perspective, perhaps better uh, now than later, if you have sort uh, are having some sort of an issue like that, but, but uh, I, I agree with what you're saying. Like they have a lot of firepower you know, and I remember Alex Chason told me when he joined the Oilers, he was on that PTO and then wound up getting a contract. And he was obviously with those good capitals teams for a, a few years and granted more of a bit player, but still he was on that team. And he told me our goal, especially at home was to have a two nothing lead 10 minutes into the first period, every game and then say, okay, try and catch us. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah, quite well, they try
0: Detroit had the same attitude in their heyday in, uh, at the old Joe Lewis arena, I mean, we'd go in there we I mean, they don't score us compared to shots on goal. I mean it'd be three two they'd have three goals, and we'd have two shots on goal and uh I mean, they really started well, and uh I mean, if you did get out of the first period, you had a chance because it was was never near as good in the second period as it was at the start. But they really and they had the the depth and the consistency and the ability to be able to pull it off. Because, as you know, it's I mean, the the opposition is trying to do exactly the same thing. They're trying to start well. And uh, I mean, that just speaks to a significant gap in the performance ability of the teams
1: you know when brownie always tells me that uh, to be up for a game he says that's totally on the individual player or when somebody calls in and asks and brownie always says like he had teammates who would read newspapers up until 30 seconds before they were on the ice and other guys who would be pacing nervously and guzzling coffee and, and you got to do your own thing you live that as a player and as a coach in terms of making sure you're ready and the team is ready what are some of the the contrasting things
0: you learned about it in those two different roles yeah well brownie's exactly right i remember i mean Vinny damfus and uh uh bernie nichols i mean Vinny had just be laid out on the couch prior to p- putting his skates on and going out and he was he was a good player uh but everybody hammer i mean he 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 would uh not warm up very aggressively and uh, but when the game was on the line, he was always at his best. But yeah, people, they, they, uh, you know, they, they, they prepare differently. And uh, I mean, we're, we're all different. We all respond to different things. Vinny would not respond to a lot of pressure being put on him prior to the game. And uh, he, he was way more passive, but I can tell you as a coach, there were times when I knew the team was ready, whether it, you know, we had, uh, we had a good meeting or we had a good get together the night before and there was a good vibe and you just, you can tell when your team is on the same page and ready. Like it's, 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 it's really quite obvious. And, uh, conversely if you have a long meeting and a negative meeting and it sucks the life out of them, uh, you can feel that too when you walk out of the room as a coach. That uh, that uh, you know it wasn't maybe the best thing, uh, but you know it's it's these are the challenges that are going to make these guys better.
1: Did you have a pregame ritual as a player, or were you superstitious?
0: No, no, not, not very superstitious. But having said that, we all had routines. I mean, we all would end up in a certain area with a certain group of people that we would talk to from one time period to the next. You'd tape your stick at a certain time, you'd put new laces in your skates, and uh, we all are, uh, we were habitual, or I was habitual, but it wasn't necessarily superstitious.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's a good distinction. I think routine is important, but I think superstition or, uh, I mean, you remember when I, I, I interviewed him, but remember Carter Hart had that thing in junior and with the world junior team where he wouldn't leave the ice till the other goalie left the ice, right. so the backup yeah. goalie. And then I talked to him after the world juniors, and he admitted like, yeah, I, I got to stop doing that. That's not serving anybody well <laughs>
0: if I'm not in the And, dressing and, and the Leon juniors. would shoot the puck in the oppositions, and, that, and then that became a real focal point. Uh, for the opposition to not allow it, and uh, you know, so it, it, things like that that involve doing something in the other team's end or, or whatever, it can 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 uh, cross a line and become more distracting than they can motivating.
1: All right, so you brought up Leon putting the puck into the net, which is happening more often than uh, anybody else has done it since the start of the 2018 season, and he has 17 goals in 15 games. Uh, I mean, I know you drafted him, and we've talked about that before. That uh, I don't know if anybody saw this level of goal scoring coming. Like, is is he just evolved into this? Uh, I mean, he's like a predator in the offensive zone. Like, where is he going to strike from?
0: Yeah, he, he. I mean, it's it's a combination of. I mean, he, he's 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 growing into an iconic player, a generational player, along with Connor and. Uh, I guess Bobby Orr and Wayne Gretzky and Mario Lemieux and Sidney Crosby and all these iconic guys. I mean, they're, they're they're they they haven't got the championships that some of the other guys have yet, but uh, they're definitely trending that way. And Leon, he's just got a combination that's uh, rare. You seldom get it all in this game. I mean, you you really don't if you. If you get speed, you don't get size. If you get skill, you don't get hockey sense. And it's, it's, uh, it's rare that you see two players that are as well connected as these two. And I mean, we we who who projects that type of offense coming out of junior? Nobody does really. But you don't ever think that, uh, you know, Leon's going to be playing with another iconic player, generational player too, which. You know, I, I'm sure both of those guys add, you know, 15 or 20% of, of productivity to the other. And then when you have two guys like that that are so good and good together, then you're getting the types of uh, starts that, that uh, we see from Leon and from Connor. But the, the goals are really quite incredible. Yeah. Okay. That, that well, my favorite play that Dreisneidel had on this last road trip was the uh the play that he made in Saint Louis to win the game. Like that to me really shows you what this guy is. He's coming down the right side. He's got a one on one play with uh, Callie Rosen, who's you know, got some experience. He's not an any everyday NHLer, but he's playing off him. He's got to beat him, and at the same time, he's understanding that Yamamoto's coming into the slot. And so, while he's focused on this guy and making his play on this defender, he turns quickly and then just lays a pat, beautiful pass to uh, Kaler, Kyler in the in the slot, which what I thought was a really important goal for Kyler. And pretty important goal for the team, but really important for him.
1: Craig, just hang on. I want to touch on a couple other things with you. We got Craig McTavish on Inside Sports. He's presented by Abalon Foundation Report. pair western canada's leading basement waterproofing company for over 50 years home of the lifetime warranty more with mac t in a couple of minutes Okay, good to have you tuning in tonight. Brendan Escott's going to tell you what it was like to be inside Commonwealth Stadium for the match last night. He's coming up between seven and seven thirty. We have Craig McTavish on the show. He's joining us every couple of weeks throughout the hockey season uh, here on Inside Sports. Back uh, to look, um, you're, you're doing the, the work on the tube or the flat screen. You're uh, you're with Gene Principe, a legend uh, in, in his own right here. And I know I know you've done TV work in the past. How how do you enjoy the uh, analysis and that interaction with, uh, you know, probably feedback from fans and, and uh, interaction in the media world because I know we are a bit of a, an unusual lot and you got to step into that and get along with us.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I'm one of you now. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm not the idiot. I'm I'm the other guy now. <laughs> so uh, nobody, nobody ever thought you were an idiot. Uh, I wouldn't say that, Reed, but... Uh, <laughs> I might be batting 80% in my own home. You you just don't know. (laughs) But uh, no, I've, uh, I've enjoyed it. I mean, I think my thought in doing all of it is that I've done a number of things. Uh, Some people would say not that well, but I've done a number of things. Uh, And I think my, my, my uh motivation is to try and add perspective to the people that haven't been there and uh it, and and try and convey just how difficult these jobs are uh coaching is probably the most difficult uh but managing and playing i mean i i've i've done all those things and uh, I certainly have a great deal of respect for the people that are doing it. And I hope that's the way I come across because that's my intention.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think that's important. You, you offer a perspective that very few people have because of your resume. Uh, you know, sometimes people ask me, I- is it difficult for, for you Reed, to to say something critical or, or, or ask, you know, a question that could be construed as negative. And I always say no, because uh, if I can back it up with facts or observation, then I think I should be able to ask the question and get, you know, that the person's perspective on it, you, you know, I yeah, think that's, and that's, and that's a big vital part of the
0: job. for what you do for sure. It's absolutely vital. And there's guys that do it really well. And there are guys that don't do it that well. And uh, you know, the the, the, I mean, we're going down a, a different trail here, but the the guys that have a lot of success in the media side of it are largely guys that are really trusted with, uh, with, uh, the people they're reporting on.
1: I think that's a fair comment for sure. It's not necessarily about being liked, but being trusted and respected, I I, I think. And, and my personal philosophy is if I'm at a guy's stall, uh, the day after he was minus four in a game, then I better be there the next week when he scores a hat trick. I mean, I think players appreciate that that type of thing. Yeah. Do you, has it ever been difficult for you? And I, you and I are going to talk about it probably at some point this year, something Tippett does or doesn't do in a decision at a, at a game. Is it, I'm not saying harder for you, but to, to be critical of a coach if you have to, like, is that a, a, a harder road for you to go go down?
0: Or how do you look at that? Well, it's a road I wouldn't want to go down unless I had to. I mean, it's just Dave Tippett is a bright, bright guy, and what people, you know, the the answers sometimes can be obvious when, when you don't uh, factor in what your alternatives are, and that's really what coaching is. I mean yeah, let's take this guy out, but what's my alternative? Like, who am I replacing this guy with? Or what type of tactic do I want to – tactical change do I want to make? Do I want to go more aggressive? But then am I willing to take uh, take on the risk that that, that entails? So it's all a decision-making process based on alternatives. And sometimes I think that uh, – we don't examine what the alternatives are uh, enough when, when we're when we're criticizing what the decision was. If that makes sense.
1: No, it, well, it does, and yeah. that's and that's a, that's a great point. And I, th- those are the kind of discussions Rob and I sometimes have after games. Okay, well, we we can do this, but then what do you do? right? Yeah. Let's demote this guy, but who who can do his job if you put somebody yeah. else on, on the power play? So that, yeah, that's a big part of it for sure.
0: Yeah. Uh, why would they keep Leon and Connor together and decisions like that? Or why wouldn't they separate them? And, you know, everything's clearer in hindsight and, uh, it, it's, uh, it, it's, it's our job to, uh, analyze what the decisions are, but, I like to think that I'm, uh, I'm I'm trying to look at it from a broad perspective.
1: Craig, I wish we had more time, but we'll do this again in a couple of weeks. And I, I didn't pull one of your classic goal highlights this week, so I'll try to have something
0: for you. What? Already, uh... <laughs> no, that's uh, that's valuable airtime that you use on that uh, unimportant stuff. But I appreciate
1: it, Reed. Thanks. Right, right on. That's Craig McTavish. checking in. Inside Sports on Chet.